I am so glad you could join us. I'm your host, Mo Gaudet. This podcast is nothing more than a conversation between two good friends sharing inspiring life stories and perhaps some nuggets of wisdom along the way. This is your invitation to slow down with us. Welcome to Slow Mo. Thank you for joining us. I am back in one of my favorite cities on the planet in Amsterdam and in one of my favorite spots in the city, uh, the studio of my dear, wonderful, wonderful friend, Jimmy Nelson. If you have not been introduced to Jimmy, uh, Jimmy was episode number 10 uh, on slow-mo. Uh, and honestly, the episode that got me to think, this thing is good. This thing is actually worth the effort. This thing shares wisdom. Uh, Jimmy, like a typical Dutchman, uh, started the conversation three minutes in after my introduction by saying, you said this wrong, you said that wrong, let me correct you and tell you a few things about me. And from there on, uh, went to share some of the most amazing, vulnerable stories of his experiences as a uh, world-renowned artist photographer who... Um, really captures the essence of humanity in so many ways. Uh, I came to visit Jimmy back in September 2021 when I published uh, Scary Smart here in the Netherlands. And uh, he um, said, come over, I have the finale of my exhibition in Paris, uh, which was uh, The Last Sentinels. You know, you'll, you will absolutely love it. Of course, I love Jimmy so much, one of my favorite humans on the planet. I wanted to go. And there was Prince Constantine with his wonderful daughter, Leonor. And he walked in, we had an amazing a spectacle of beauty, of inspiration. And we chatted about how amazing this whole thing is, but it was exotic, I think was the word. When, when we looked at what Jimmy was exhibiting, the Lost Sentinels, it, you know, it was those people in unusual, what looked like costumes to us, but it was their reality. They were in the furthest ends of the universe, if you want, or of planet Earth. And, um, and I thought with COVID, as um, Jimmy would have to be grounded in a way, uh, he wouldn't be able to keep doing this and he, would be able, he wouldn't be able to find more cultures to tell us about. But he did. So he was telling me recently, um, back in summer, about his next work. And his next work has um, a lot to do with documenting humanity and culture in the places where we think those have been forgotten. I'll let him tell you the story. But I thought I'd ask Jimmy Nelson and Prince Constantine to come and talk a little bit about what it is to be human, uh, what it is to actually find that tradition, find that culture, find that connection to our human self, even in the places that we go to every day. So thank you both for joining me today. Chris Constantine, thank you so much for joining us. Jimmy, as always, thank you so much for hosting me in this inspiring, beautiful place. Thank you. Well, I'm not quite sure what to say now after that introduction. <laughs> other than I'm extremely... Other than I said two things wrong. <laughs> no, no, you didn't say... Well, yeah, debatable. I could say it was all wrong um, in all humility. But other than to say 
Thank you very much. I'm flattered. I'm humbled. But most importantly, thank you for being the catalyst of this new conversation, but also with you, Prince Constantine, because I think the theme of this is I'm an aspiring Dutch man. It's very clear to hear that I was not born here, but when I travel, which I extensively do, I call myself Dutch. I have a Dutch passport. Uh, I have more bikes than I will ever need. <laughs> uh, I don't have a car anymore. And I am nowadays, in a weird way, obsessed with this country. But I think it's extremely important to discuss that obsession, my obsession, my way of outing that obsession. And I want to share it with you and show you some work in a little bit to see whether it could be valid or not. So I think that's the beauty of the conversation we're going to have. Great. And, and let's agree that we say Constantine. We, we okay. 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 Good. Get yeah. rid good, of good, the print stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah what, what happened when we, we met, we met the three of us in Paris. Uh, I had the honor, the privilege to have what was called the Last Sentinels. We'll eventually come to Amsterdam in the Atelier de Lumière, that digital experience, that sort of art, culture, inspiration for all. Um, we were standing there talking. Thank you ever so much for coming. It was so Also with your daughter. I think yeah, what was, was also very thrilling, it, it, it touches, it seemed to touch everybody, uh, no matter what race, age, class. And- It was very Instagrammable. <laughs> That's what the young generation yeah. liked too. And then interesting is you said um, the, the world had its, uh, was dealing with this pandemic. And strangely, because of the multitude of years I've spent in my life living with indigenous cultures, I have feel in a humble, organic way, I've connected with a different understanding for myself. Again, it's very organic, it's very non-scientific. And as a result of that, I was quite calm when everything stopped. Mm. Uh, I didn't have the panic, which most people presumed I would have, that I wouldn't be able to keep escaping. And I think the simplest way to put it, and to avoid us being here all night, is that I had been looking the whole of my life and my whole adult life up until now for a place to feel safe, mm. for a place to feel seen, for a place to feel acknowledged and, and if I'm going to get a little bit wishy-washy early on, a place where I could be loved. We touched on this in the previous podcast, this journey I've been on, we're not going to go back there now. And as a result of the stillness, the silence, uh, sitting here on the terrace of my studio right at the beginning, I realized I'm actually okay. I've found that place. And if I'm in such a good place, physically, metaphorically, and personally, the beauty, I remember speaking to myself, the beauty I've seen and witnessed and shared in the furthest reaches of the planet must be here, somewhere, somehow. And because of the silence, I remember listening to an invitation I'd had, which I'd ignored because of the business, to what's called an Eisbrauloft in Marke. And it's a sort of a, a ritualistic winter ceremony where the whole of the village of the island of Marke dress traditionally and have um, a mass wedding on the ice. And I'd ignored this uh, first invitation. So I thought, well, that sounds quite interesting. Why had I ignored it? As I've now got nothing to do and nowhere to go, I'm going to get back in touch with the young lady who invited me. And that was the catalyst for this new journey. So I literally got on my bike, drove outside Amsterdam, and within an hour arrived on the island of Marka and was introduced to some of the most extraordinarily beautiful, rich, poised, elegant human beings that I've ever met. 
and they run as parallel. They have as much wealth, as much uh, dignity, beauty, as everything I'd experienced in Papua New Guinea or in, the, or in Mongolia. And that was the catalyst of the journey. And they said, well, what are you going to be doing for the next few weeks slash months, Jimmy? And I was sort of twiddling my fingers. And they looked <laughs> at me very quietly and said, well, we're going to tell you what you're going to do. And that became... They actually told you. Yeah, yeah indirectly. You kind of that was an organic conversation. And they said, you need to re-identify as an adopted Dutch person, because it's fresh to you, uh, with your signature, with your heart, with your emotions, and all the love you have to give, you have to re-identify what traditional Dutch culture is and put it on the map. And that became the journey. Quite Dutch of them to, to simply tell you, tell you what to do. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you arrive there, you, you're, you're, <laughs> Jimmy, you're holding your just, camera. Jimmy just remembers that part of the conversation yeah. <laughs> when, when they asked him back after he could. And then it started and then it evolved and then a uh, number of days photographing Marka and then somebody in Volendam, which is on the other side of the walker, rang and I said, I heard you were Marka, you've got to come and visit us. And then it became a snowball. And then with my colleagues here in Amsterdam for the next one and a half years, we travel around the Netherlands. And I can honestly say, and I, I'm always afraid of talking like this, but I think this is some of the most beautiful work that I've ever had the opportunity to make. I, I but again, that. it's not my work. It's their work, it's their culture, it's their identity. But because I'm in such a yeah, happy place, to use one of your terms, uh, I've seen it in a way that is not necessarily normally seen, or I've re, if I can humbly say, redefined it, put it back on the map, mm. but as art, not as anthropology, not as journalism, I'm not laughing, I'm really respecting uh, it. Can, can I ask, as a, as a person who is not Dutch, yeah, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm a citizen of the world. I've been exposed to many cultures. Mm -hmm. And I have to admit, the more I deal with the Netherlands, the more I feel the richness of the Netherlands. But if you're outside the Netherlands, you don't get a lot of bragging about being Dutch. You know, it, it's, it's, it's quite interesting because you guys are all over the world. You know, you're very, very successful business people. You've always been good traders and so on. But, you know, the Americans brag a lot about. Yeah, we don't compare everybody to the Americans. They just have have had the last century of exporting their culture, and the Netherlands has had their time to do that in the past, and we're not always that happy with it. So interesting. So you you don't you don't you choose not to talk about it. No, I don't think we don't choose, but I don't think it's it's that explicit. And uh, and we're actually now dealing also with uh, with uh, our colonial past, um, which we haven't done. And we should have done much earlier. And now, I mean, we find that the footprint that we left on this planet is not always that positive. But isn't that isn't that comparable to other cultures, the British culture, for example, well, which celebrates <laughs> very strongly their colonial? Yeah, and maybe they're also in for a time where they uh, might reconsider some of that colonial past. Uh, um, recently, there's a fantastic, there was the Cannes uh, Lions recently in the south of France and the biggest, the gold, most golden lion was awarded to Vice magazine or Vice Media. And they had developed or they have developed an app that when you walk into the primarily, to begin with the British Museum, and you shine your camera on an object and you press the button, it gives you the truth to its or origins. <laughs> 
And I think in a way, it's not to make a comparison with between the sea and the sky. We've also tried to redefine, retell a story to be proud of something, but at the same time, keep it into context of, of where it sits in history. Well, I think, I think what you did in the Netherlands, I mean, most, you, know, you have a very keen eye because I think uh, many Dutch people don't know what you have exposed. So I'm beginning to find um, that, that um, yeah. the the richness of traditional culture and local villages and, and the differences between villages. Mm. Uh, even bet- within a village, some villages will have an outer ring that is Catholic and an inner ring that's Protestant and they don't kind of interact that much. Mm-hmm. And that still persists in this day and age. So it's something we we generally don't know in the Netherlands yeah. of our own country. So sometimes you need the outside eye to... Uh, to unveil that. That's really interesting. Jimmy, would you would you mind showing us? Because I have I to say- I would love to show it. I was blown away myself. I so, would love to so, put so, it in so, context. Yeah. Come, great. Come. Right. Guys, come. And this is what I want to show you. It's in here. I'm going to mind the plant. We adopted, we adopted them the other day. Oh, wow. This is a sort of, uh, if you come and stand here, this is a sort of a uh, design studio. Um, this is the book on one wall and this is the pre-design for the exhibition which should be opening if everything goes to plan in a couple of weeks time in the Fabrique de Lumière and this is the sort of three-dimensional digitalization of an experience of the book which is here. This is the layout as I was saying 20 different communities within the Netherlands who hold on still today to their heritage in an extraordinarily rich way and the book and the stories and the maps are, as I perceive, very romantically, very indulgently. And then here on the table, we're looking, because it's all made on a 10-8 camera on this big plate film, extremely detailed, and we're testing the paper and the right ink. And here's the cover. Uh, marker. well, seeing, obviously, the title trying to sort of mirror into the between the sea and the sky. And the book is very, it's not anthropological. Uh, we don't count buttons or zips. Uh, it's meant to be uh, an inspiration to the cultural heritage that's still here. And what's extraordinary with this lady here, she's on the cover, her name is Tess. She worked here as a stager and as an apprentice. And it turned out she lives in Marca. She's 25. She's redefined the dress of Marca, re-sewn it, rebuilt it and has a whole community and they're bringing it into the future. And she's also written an essay in the book, uh, which is fantastic. I'm very proud of it. And so she, and also an extraordinarily famous Dutch author, which blows my mind, uh, is Arthur Japan, has written an essay. And his essay is very beautiful as well. He's often t- claims that uh, the beauty of storytelling can't be found. And he's one of the best storytellers that exists in the Netherlands. And he kindly writes in his essay, um, we traveled together 20 years ago and I took him by the hand on a dangerous journey. And he concludes his essay by saying, Jimmy takes me and us by the hand again on a new journey. Oh, that's so uh, beautiful. It's a beautiful essay, yeah. Tell, tell me about the exhibition, so. Well, the exhibition is what I was discussing earlier. It's a sort of uh, a part two of what we had in Paris, which you both saw, the last Sentinels. So it's in the Westergasplein uh, here, and it's called the Fabrique de Lumière. It's the sort of Dutch version of what's in Paris. They've spent a small, uh, somebody spent a small fortune and rebuilding it, redesigning it for the next 10 years as a, a digital experience. So I'm very excited because I feel sort of as an artist, you can 
touch all audiences. So when you encourage people to visit Fabrique de Lumière, they cost them 15 euros, much the same as in Paris. Everybody can go. They don't need to know who I am, what they're going to witness, what they're going to see, but they're going to go on an experience. How long uh, will it be on? Uh, we start with a month, but it depends on the success because it's a bit of an experiment for them because I'm a, a living artist. And normally speaking, at the moment, they have Gustav Klimt. I think next year, Mr. Van Gogh is coming and I'm sort of, I've squeezed in between the two. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but we now have the, the, the slow-mo listeners because they're all going, yeah. right? So we're and, and, it's an, and it's an experience. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, and it's also a journey. Mm -hmm. Um, so, we were, yeah, we were yeah. mentioning it the other day, you can see, well, they're not here. It's this how you reconnect with the title between the sea and the sky. Mm. So this idea begins, I can't give too much away, it begins, we walk into the space, you're surrounded by 500 beamers, speakers, sound, and we're in the sea, and there's a storm, and there's the biggest storm that you could ever imagine. And it's a cacophony of nature, and we drown. Yeah. Don't get too upset, metaphorically. And slowly we go underwater, the bubbles come up above our head on the walls and it becomes silent. Then in that silence, the piano starts to play. And then we rise and we are resurrected. But when we rise, we rise above the water. Then it's dawn, in the distance we see the dunes. But then we arise above the sea and we fly into the coast as either a seagull or depending on your mood, an angel in the afterlife. <laughs> and you are reintroduced to the Netherlands mm. from above. And in the distance, you see the communities. Then you fly down as an angel or a seagull into the communities. Then we take you on a journey of connection with human beings. From, from community to community. From community to community in a storytelling. For, for connection. I love that. Yeah. So it's, it's not, yeah. this is not a uh, just beautiful photos. No, no. It's a whole, it's a whole experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a whole and and, and uh, the, the last time when uh, Prince Constantine, we were, we were in Paris, it was like, what, 10 meters high or five meters uh, high? Paris was 50 meters high. Uh, Fabrique is also the same height. But I think the difference between the Paris installation with the last Sentinels, that was all the indigenous cultures around the world, that was a bit like a rock concert, do you remember? Mm. Was, we were dancing and we were, and that's quite eclectic and bombastic. This is a symphony. Oh, beautiful. And this is much like a feather, and we'll talk about feathers later. And it's much more about this balance of light culture because it's all very, very fine and very defined. And it's much more delicate. Um, and it's extraordinarily beautiful. And I'm very proud and excited as an adopted Dutchman to have uh, created this with my Dutch team and to give it back to the... the country that has adopted me. Let, let, let's go talk about it a yeah. bit, but I, I want to ask yeah. you a technical question. Those, those photos with this extreme quality you take on film. Yeah, I can show you the camera, come. So we were talking about the pictures, they're all made on this camera here. It's a handmade 10.8 analog camera. There's one behind my back, which is as it traditionally used to look, but that's not necessarily portable. So a young <laughs> designer in Italy designed this for me. Um, we're all young or old enough, depending on how we look at it, for 35mm. That was this big. The sort of Helmut Newton Hasselblad was that big. And this is a 10 8. Wow. So it's the largest portable sheet you can make. You said with, with gelatin or gel? No, no, it's just film. It's film and cassette. And then I develop it when I get back here. And then the lens goes in here. Why? And the film takes one photo? It takes one picture. So each portrait you see or each photo, is there's just one of it. Uh, getting to that moment is a sort of a, uh, an extraordinary investment. Um, but as a result of that, you get very, very close to the subject because the subject feels this utter 
adoration and unadulterated love for perfection. It's extremely difficult. But in that process, you focus your energy, your look, your attention, and the subject themselves rises. They rise to the occasion. And I started using it four years ago when I was traveling. And it's probably the definitive way of making contact because the amount of time you invest in making the picture. The flip side of it is the aesthetic is mind-boggling because it has a grain and a sharpness and there's only ever one of them. So eventually they will be exhibited or I aspire to have them, the images exhibited with the negative and that'll be one unique piece. Mm. And then as a result of that, it will go and hopefully go onto the market and then raise funds for the foundation, which is this idea of reinvesting back into the culture, into the heritage. How, how many of these, you know, if you go to Africa and you take the... I take one camera, I take three lenses and I take about 30 sheets of film. So it's 30 moments of... Uh, but you bring a normal camera as well, just as a backup? Uh, yeah, or? but I don't ever use the, the pictures because having taken pictures from the age of 16 and now at the age of 54, I've decided I want less is more. And I'd far rather come back with one picture that everybody talks about rather than 10,000 images while spraying and praying. But when do you know- You feel uh, it. It was- You feel it, yeah. you feel it, you feel it because you've invested everything into doing it. Uh, I can talk about it for hours and Mo knows me very well. I can go off at tangents about the, okay, very small. Uh, I was giving a talk not so long ago to a group of teenagers and I was standing on a stage. They were looking at me as confused as you're both looking at me now. And they said, why do you use such an old, cumbersome camera. Uh, nowadays, it's actually very easy. We, and they, this young boy picked up an iPhone and said, you can yeah. spray and pray, which I thought was a very nice analogy. So I said, well, you're right. Three and a half billion of us can now spray and pray. Yeah. And he says, well, that's the way to make a picture. Why do you bother doing this? Is it because you don't understand the technology? And I said, well, I do understand the technology, but I'm trying to feel something mm. differently. And he yeah. looked at me very confused and I made a segue and said, well, what do you want to feel? and uh, spontaneously put his hand up and said, there's a girl I want to kiss. That's what I want to feel. And I said, okay, well, let's talk about kissing. Wow. So yeah. all of a sudden, all he of a sudden, a we, went, we, we, went, <laughs> we went over the tangent. So I'm yeah. talking to teenagers who've all put their smartphones down and now all listening. Kissing, they'll put the, for the smartphone well, they put it down. down. Yeah, and yeah. they said, well, let's talk about kissing. I said, fortunately, you know more about this than I do, but I'm going to give you two choices for a kiss. And we're going to put it into, you've got your first choice is your spray and pray choice. It's your iPhone choice. Tomorrow morning, you're allowed to go into the school square. And everybody will say, yes, you can kiss everybody all day. It's infinite. Um, and everybody started screaming. And I said, well, the other option is the second kiss. But that's complicated because first of all, it's not a guarantee. So that's a bit of a downer. And I said, well, let's, for the sake of argument, you, you get that kiss, but it's only one kiss. And that kiss you can't choose. And it will last about two seconds. Let's say the, the time of the shutter opening. At the end of the last minutes of the last hour of the last day of the last week after a period of three months, which option would you choose for? So one is not a guarantee and you have to wait three months for it, N not the guarantee. And the other one happens tomorrow and you can have it all. And they obviously said option one. And I said option two, because I've kind of got to the stage where it's not about the kiss anymore, it's about the process. And I don't think I will ever make that finite picture. But the thrill of the search the investments, the emotional uh, uh, layering, aspiring to make it brings me closer and closer and closer to the subject I love, and that is human beings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a Belgium photographer, and she actually, but she used the 19th century technique, and because she wanted to capture more than just the image, also mm -hmm. the dust around, mm -hmm. so she took mm -hmm. uh, pictures of um, American. Uh, 
natives and in mm-hmm. uh, in uh, in a little village. And she actually brought a bus because she had to develop, develop it on site. It on site. Yeah. Yes, uh, uh, but you uh, do actually see, which uh, doesn't have the sharpness at all. It's very yeah, grainy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it, the picture contains all that other Even information, more, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is uh, which I also find very crazy. It's it's quite interesting the analogy of. I, I, my engineering mind here. I'm I'm all for that second kiss, by the way, even if it doesn't happen. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's the the joy of that second kiss is the is the is to get to the point where you get the kiss. Do, do you understand? I, I, yeah, I do. But I I really believe I don't think you get you. I don't think it ever happens. That's uh, for me finding the flow, finding the process, and to keep that flow sustainable forever, that passion alive. If you get given it, if you get mm. given that kiss, you the, the ultimate kiss you're looking for, you stop. Well, is this the purpose of your podcast? We're kind of having, having <laughs> I mean, three we, guys, we, we, three we, guys yeah, talking so we, about we, the ultimate kiss. No, but so, yeah, so two, if you, two, if, two bold guys and a prince if, talking about if, 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 if kisses. Kiss, 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 you might not get. Exactly. <laughs> but if you put it into what I was talking about a few minutes ago, I've been looking for a place to feel safe. I've been looking for a place to feel acknowledged in all my eccentricity, in eccentricity and as I thought not till not so long uh, ago, inadequacy. This investment in the other brings one hopefully closer to a process of reciprocity. That is the journey I aspire to be on and everything that I've been taught spending all the last years living with indigenous cultures, especially in the Pacific. It's all about this reciprocal way of living uh, and this reinvestment in oneself, reinvestment in one's partner, reinvestment in one's community. It's a cycle. Mm -hmm. And this idea, the more I give, the maybe the more I receive, but it's not necessarily, I don't receive in kind, I receive in humanity. And then I can redefine how I feel about myself through the eyes of the other. Constantine, you were saying that that those cultures exist today, that that in the in the villages of the Netherlands, yeah. you would find what is not then, def- I mean, you, you talk about indigenous, Jimmy. They, these are alive, right? These are, these are here. And I actually, when I saw the photos, I didn't believe that this would be the typical Dutch person, right? I mean, well, I walk I the streets. I wouldn't say they're yeah. the typical Dutch person, mm. um, but they are um, very typical, especially of the um, fisher cultures. So it's mm. around, you find in the Netherlands, there's a central yeah. lake, which used to be a sea. And uh, many of these villages uh, with a very specific identities around this lake. And then also in Zeeland in the south. So, uh, and, and a number of those villages have retained their traditional dress and culture. And, uh, and sometimes are, uh, you know, there's also different religions. I mean, you also, you mentioned Marke is, Marke is Protestant and Volendam on the other side is Catholic. And they typically don't mix that much. And even between two villages, uh, Volendam and Edam, which are now the same municipality, they don't talk to each other because wow. uh, they speak a different dialect. And Volendam used to be fisher, fishermen, poor. Edam used to, they make cheese and they build, build ships for Amsterdam. And so they were rich. And uh, typically the Volendam people would be the maids of the uh, people in Edam. And then fortune turned around because the people in, uh, in yeah. Volendam uh, were able to store and 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 uh, their uh-huh. their fish, and then and there was a fish market, and then they became they became wealthy themselves. But still today, if someone from Volendam doesn't want to have a conversation with someone else and doesn't want to be spotted, 
they go just, you know, only a few hundred meters or maybe a kilometer mm-hmm. further on to Adam and they'll be sure that they won't meet anyone from their <laughs> own community. Well, as a result of this, and I was being told all these stories and one community <laughs> wanted to adopt me more than the other. And I said, well, I'm going to, when we launch this book, I'm going to make sure you all meet each other. And they're all, this is not going to happen, Jimmy. This is not going to happen. Well, on the 17th of September, uh, we are having the book launch, which will be here in Amsterdam on the Museum Square. And at the moment, uh, we have one and a half thousand. That's going to be unique. Uh, in unique. traditional dress. So no we, it's, way. it's free. In Dutch, you say freiwillig. So we sent an invitation. We said, we'll send you a bus. Jimmy's going to be with the fire brigade. He's going to be in a little sort of bucket in the sky. He would like to make a, 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 a national picture of the traditional communities in front of the Rijks Museum. We were expecting 50. At the moment, we have about one and a half thousand people and many more who are aspiring to come on the 17th of September. Don't look worried. We do have permission. And I think it's going to be unique. I don't it think it's true. ever been done yeah, before. No, and so. this idea of bringing it together as yeah. a community and this idea of reconnecting, uh, which I've been aspiring to do as an individual, having met all these other individuals, bringing them back together as one unique mm-hmm. unit yeah. as the Dutch... Uh, um, so, I mean, you can tell much more about yeah. you studying right, them, right. about these dresses. So some in some villages, people actually still wear them daily. Um, others will use them for festivities and others basically might have them somewhere on the loft in a big trunk and, and f- you know, rarely maybe the, the, the local dance mm-hmm. um, club, you know, when they do traditional dance will kind of once a year, you know, put on the costumes. But there actually are villages that are, um, that w- are wearing these on a daily basis still. I, I would say about half are wearing it on a semi-daily basis and the other half is more traditional in an event. But it's much the same but question. If, yeah, there will be few people in the village yeah, that yeah, are wearing yeah. it permanently. But if, if you go to an, uh, yeah. an island, what's well, not an island anymore, of Arak, for example, uh, there are more than 7,000 people who own the traditional dress. And regularly on a Sunday, they all make a procession around the whole of their village wearing showing themselves off to each other. It's mm. very beautiful. On Marka, there are 6,000 people. On Bolandam, there are even more. So they may not be wearing it on a daily basis, but on regular occasions, many of them will put it on and come together yeah. as a group. And I, and I think it's sort of much in the same, I'm often asked when I'm photographing indigenous cultures, is that as, as they look when you arrive? No, it's as I ask them to present themselves to me at their proudest. Mm. after spending, in many cases, months uh, living with them. So uh, if you're making a reportage pitch and you come in uh, spontaneously, they may be wearing and doing something different. But that's much the same here in the Netherlands. So the same, it was the same, come to me at your most proud. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's you know, Netherlands is known, obviously, for its uh, waterworks and, and, you know, and, and uh, reclaiming land. Uh, but these are some way the victims of reclaiming land. Mm. These will be very proud fisher villages and they mm-hmm. are were suddenly cut off uh, mm-hmm. of the sea because we we made it build a big dike and then we uh, started to reclaim land so uh, a town of Spakenburg used to have a, a sea in front of them and now they have land in front of them and the town of Urk used to be an island and is now uh, on land and uh, and so uh, and Mark as well was an island and now it's kind of it's connected to the mainland and so it has fundamentally changed uh, their culture but on the other hand they seem to have had this urge to retain their culture. So maybe it's been, the inverse happened, is that they got much 
prouder of their culture. Yeah, because you hold on more. They, yeah. Yes, I, because I, they had. Yeah, it's, it's a com combination. You're right. Many uh, change for many communities. It's this idea of reinvention. Yeah. Mm. which I think is very important. So they all kept reinventing themselves. And I think it goes in waves. And what we discovered during the pandemic was everybody was at home and a large uh, number of, of young people wanted to re, who am I? Where am I from? Had time to start new conversations with their elders, so to speak. Started opening up the boxes and realized it was as a Pandora's box of treasure or of tradition. So, for example, the girl on the cover of the book, Tess, is from Marka. She is redesigning and redefining her cultural identity through the dress. And you will find that in many of the communities. There's a whole new generation that wants to redefine what they stand for. What, what does this clothing mean? What are the stories that it has to tell? And what are the stories we could perhaps tell in the future within our identity? So, I think that stillness gave me the opportunity to see it. Uh, discover it's a bit of a big war, redefine it. In the near future, I will have the opportunity to show it, but for the communities themselves to be proud and say, this is who we are and look at how rich and diverse it is. And then to discuss what's the significance yeah. of it. So, so, so which, which one do we want? Do, do we want the tradition or do we want the evolution and progress? I mean- Why, why a, would you choose? In an interesting way where I come from, tradition holds you back. So, so if in a society like the Islamic society where rules are very rigid, you know, you have to, uh, to, to stick to things. Like it's, it's known that after the Gutenberg uh, printing press, the, you know, the traditional Islamic community was like, no, we're not going to do that. That's not Islamic if you want, right? And in a very interesting way, there is always that tug of war between do I evolve, do I continue to grow and change, but then I lose my identity, right? Instead of wearing those beautiful traditional dresses, going out on, uh, you know, fishermen boats and so on. Now we wear hip hop clothes and, and we hold iPhones. It, it's both. You can do both. So basically uh, you, you have a choice. I actually, I got a whole group of friends over from, from all over the world. Uh, I mean, ranging from, from Sri Lanka, Vietnam to Chile and, 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 uh, and, and Europe and Africa. Um, and I thought, well, like, what am I going to do with them? We're going to be here for two days. You know, how, how am I going to show them the Netherlands? So we, I went first to a town called Hoorn, which is a, a little village, which is like a mini Amsterdam. Very used to be very rich. Um, uh, and uh, and this, so you see that uh, 16th, 17th century housing uh, on, the, on the water, beautiful old boats um, for inland shipping. And then uh, we took a boat, we sailed, we sailed to Edam, which is this cheese town. Then we went to Marken, which is, a, we already discussed, very traditional wooden houses, green painting. So, you know, it's kind of the picture perfect tourist uh, spot. And then uh, we sailed into Amsterdam. <laughs> and then, uh, and and then you just, just you are in a completely different world. So we Absolutely. went to the Adam Tower, which is also a bit edgy. Uh, it's a music themed hotel uh, with a club and, uh, <clears throat> we actually had these contrasts and they are just a few kilo kilometers apart. Mm. And it's, and, and I think people like that. There is that choice. And the people from Volendam, you know, they will go out in Amsterdam and then, but still at a certain, they also like their traditions. Mm. And, um, and that's, it's possible. Also in a highly connected modern world, you know, you have people within a, within a, uh, I think a, a radius of, 
of 50 kilometers of Amsterdam, you probably have most of the of the uh, the cultures that uh, mm-hmm. that Jimmy mm-hmm. has uh, for to mm-hmm. photograph. That, that's it, Jimmy. 50 kilometers. That's all. To, 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 no, I, I would say a large percentage of it. Yeah but, yeah, but then you've got Zeeland, which is a little bit further. Yeah, a little bit, bit further, but, that's, but that's you, close. Could, you have you know you have. Um, it's not a big country. No, you have, you have <laughs> no, you have, you know, you have, you have uh, all of the the villages in northern Holland, which are. You know, I think it's within 120 the, kilometers yeah. radius. You have everything, but I think to answer your question, you're so right. It's both, but isn't both a balance? I think I think it's both. And if you hold on rigidly to one, you fall out of balance. If mm. you completely ignore your history, your stories, your ancestors, your traditions, and you run into the future, you also lose balance. It's about both running together. Yeah, and, and you have, I mean, you'll have many people in Amsterdam that will have never seen anyone. I think I would say by yeah. far the majority of people yeah. who have no idea that this still exists. No. I, 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 and I yeah. think that's why this work is quite interesting because for me, of course, it shocked me. It, it, it felt to me like a, a costume party when mm-hmm. I when mm-hmm. I first saw the pictures, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A movie, you know, when you have the costume designer for a movie that talks about something from the past, but you say that some people actually live that okay, way. Okay, but it's much to say, if you, if you run a parallel to someone like Papua New Guinea, mm-hmm. the other extreme, uh, it's one of the culturally most diverse places that's left on the planet. There's not too much difference. That's also a costume party. Mm. But because it's so far away, it's regarded as exotic and even fewer people have visited. Yeah. But it's exactly the same. But with what does that costume party say? Does it Why say? are those costumes being worn? What is the significance of those costumes? And when you dig deep, it's exactly the same. It's about telling a story. It's a story of connection. It's a story of in Papua New Guinea. They talk about it's a three-layered story. It's a three-layered of connecting with the ancestors connecting with the humanity of today and connecting with the cosmos. So that's the past, the present, and the future. And it's how you define your identity, your community, your value, your village, your language, connect with the Mother Earth, and next to three other aspects, prosperity, uh, health, and aesthetic. So if you run those prosperity, health, and it's all it's all the same. Yeah. And you have, uh, I mean, you have in many, I think most parts of the world, you'll have... Uh, large metropolitan or urban centers where uh, people all dress a bit more, yeah. probably a bit more, more or less the same. And then very yeah. nearby, you'll have uh, you'll have tribes, you'll have uh, different cultures. Uh, even in the US, I mean, I lived in Washington a bit. It not, doesn't take you far to Maryland to go to the Amish, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, uh, which uh, which have whole held on to their uh, to their mm-hmm. culture much more than I think the. the the people in that, that Jimmy has been portraying mm. in the Netherlands, but mm-hmm. uh, because there, there's a whole life and religion around that. But then, I, then I would say that's not imbalance. That's not leaning imbalance, too much on the past. That's perhaps yeah. as you were referring to in yeah. your youth. You were told about the past, and I would promote and sell and enthuse here in the Netherlands. It's done in a very balanced way, much as the Netherlands is as a nation. You know, you can see some of the most advanced architecture in the world, some of the most creative architecture that's ever existed on this planet, next to Marka and Horn, some of the most traditional houses and villages that you could ever imagine. The two are running next to each other and both are valid. Well, that is actually something, it's interesting you mentioning it. Um, the, the Netherlands has done an amazing job in, um, in restoring and retaining heritage. So the 60s was a period where they tried mm-hmm. to modernize everything and I think they ran out of money so a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the 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 kind of the urban planning that could have destroyed a lot of the, mm-hmm. the infrastructure uh, didn't really make it so uh, at the time they would uh, 
um, they would fill canals and make roads. And at a certain point, they stopped doing that and they can open up the canals again. Mm -hmm. And and so you'll find uh, that these 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 you know these little these villages are very well maintained. And uh, um, you know it's all uh, bricks, um, brick clay. If you look mm -hmm. at Amsterdam, you know most of the houses are all pretty crooked, but people are still living in them, and they're all you know they are three, four hundred years old. Mm. And, um, and you know, some of the, the beam structures and, and the floors can be authentic. And so we have done quite a remarkable job in trying to maintain that, that heritage. And, and so you do have heritage alongside, you know, very modern architecture. Mm. And uh, I think, yeah, it's and, something and, we, and don't, I, we don't I, notice very no, often. No, but I think, yeah, and I'm obsessed with human beings. And I think as human beings in general, we tend to park the human beings and we worry about the planet and about industry and about commerce and economics, and we forget the source. Who are the ones changing all this? Who are the ones making the decision? It's us, the human beings. So I very much go back to basics and relook at the Dutch human beings or a part what, of what those is human that? I was actually going, just going to ask, I mean, so what, if, if they're so diverse, I don't know if the picture is also capturing the character, are they, is there a Dutch human being across all of those wonderful diversities of tradition? Um, good question. I have my uh, sort of uh, contemporary opinion, perhaps, Constantine, be, I'd be quite interested to hear your opinion, then I'll share my opinion of, well, always, I think it's, there it's is. It's always yeah. difficult and yeah. dangerous to talk about identities. Yeah, yeah, okay, uh, but, but, but I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I can recognize a Dutch person wherever they are in the world. I can so, too. <laughs> so I guess, I guess there is something uh, specific. Um, but on the other hand, uh, it's also. I mean, Amsterdam has 190 nationalities, yeah. and uh, and and so the it's also parts of the Netherlands are a real melting pot. But um, is there something Dutch? Yes, probably. Probably we all share, I guess, uh, common history, and there, there are definitely character traits that are. Can be you know can be seen as typical, but uh, be direct. Say them. That's what no, I love no, most no. about this place. When, when I when I I was struggling with um, directness, and I came out of a sort of a, a, a secretive past, and and I needed to resolve that. I had a chip on my shoulder, and I remember when I first arrived in Amsterdam, two very profound things happened to me. And I think this sort of Amsterdam is extreme, but this is the Netherlands. Uh, the first day I arrived here, a man who, who was naked in the winter roller skated past me. He had a sort of <laughs> no, a three by three inch leather it's thong exactly, around yeah. his, <laughs> I his think he's penis. still roller skating. Yeah, I mean, this I, is a, yeah, I, I he's a bit leathery now, but he's still there. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I was standing there as, a, as, a, as then I was pointing and yelling, he's naked in his honesty, and nobody noticed him. And I said, <laughs> what, where, what, why, when? And then I thought, wow, you can be naked and roller skate through Amsterdam. The next day I saw the only Dutch person I recognized, and that was a man called Jérôme Crabé, mm. and he'd been on a James Bond film. He was one of the baddies. And he was driving through the, the main park of Amsterdam, the Vondel Park, on the oldest bicycle you've ever seen in your life. First of all, I said, can't you afford a bike? And secondly, what on earth is this famous Dutch person doing on a bicycle? And that was when it began to dawn on me, this was a very, very different country. And although it was very close to the UK, which is where I was born, uh, there was an opportunity to perhaps be oneself here and providing you didn't necessarily get in anybody's hair and i'm looking at you and mimo <laughs> uh you were given the space and the room to read to have your own identity have your own voice have your own character find your authenticity 
within this sort of uh, uh, mini metropolis and thrive as a result of it. And another parallel analogy, I always struggled and felt in the UK when there was an issue and people tended to close, this is in many societies, close the curtains, especially in the UK, have a cup of tea and talk about the weather. And I'd be going, but you've got to know what's going on. And I thought when I came here, they opened the curtains where they don't have any. So that was that <laughs> problem solved. They sat in a window in a pair of knickers and smoked a joint and put on a red light and said, well, this is life. It's a little bit confrontational. Let's get on and deal with it. Mm. That's for me, uh, very Dutch. It's very frank and it's very direct, but it's very clear. And I, I love it as a result of that. Yeah, I think uh, I would slightly nuance that and say it's unfiltered. So the Dutch can just basically express themselves. If they something comes up, you just throw it out there. So there's not a lot of diplomacy uh, wasted. Um, yeah, but often it's the truth. Yes, but, it's, yes, yeah, but it's an opinion. Yeah. So it's yeah, not so yeah. much, we're not that good at giving honest feedback. You know, we, we do avoid the mm. it's kind of the hard conversation. If you don't, you don't want to bring somebody negative views. I feel entitled to say whatever I mm -hmm. feel about you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but if I want to help you and give you constructive feedback, it might be a bit different. And and I think the what we are not very good at in terms we are in 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 kind of uh, hospitality and generosity. We can be very generous in many things, but we we don't invite people to our homes very easily. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. a lot of the the foreigners or expats that are in uh, in the Netherlands will feel that it's hard to actually get behind the front door. So mm -hmm. um, people feel they work and you, you basically you meet socially, but then uh, you know you ret you retract behind the front door, mm -hmm. and there um, you you want to be private. And uh, I mean, our houses are not the places to receive people. Actually, funny enough. Mm -hmm. Don't you, haven't you experienced that? Yeah, it's really good. But as, as, an, as an adopted Dutch person, I sort of, sort of sit in a, a middle, in, in a world in between. My ex-wife was half Armenian, so it was actually the opposite. We invited everybody in 24-7. <laughs> and as a result, didn't have any money to pay for everything. But anyway, that's another story. Um, so I sort of live in this sort of, this sort of no man's land in between. You, there is, yeah, on... Yeah, but although I'm the one knocking on doors and off, I find it actually quite warm. I mean, I make an effort to do it. Um, I mean, well, last time we sat together, yeah. uh, remember we sat on that cafe mm -hmm. and there were the, the three Dutch people yeah, next to us. and we just had a beautiful and, conversation. And, and we were just yeah. immediately talking about Dutch monkeys and I didn't know there was something called the Dutch monkey. What, what, which parts they, they were living in, in New Zealand? Zealand. Yeah, yeah or somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, they were very mm -hmm. friendly, very mm -hmm. open, very... Mm -hmm. uh, Welcoming, I think, in Dutch. I didn't understand a single word, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I mean, going back to the thrill of now living here for 30 years, uh, loving living here, I will never actually leave here. This is my home. This is my life. Having the opportunity to discover it for myself. It was a discovery for me and redefine it, reshow it to a nation, I think is extremely important. I think at this time and age when... We're moving at breakneck speed. And I think I'm looking at both of you, you know, much more technically about this than I do about the metaverse. Uh, we need to keep one foot very uh, firmly uh, good, yeah. rooted in what it is to be a human being. I think I need, but I'm too old to enter the metaverse. So I'm going to keep both feet firmly rooted in what it is to be a human being. And that's suffice and enough for me. But I think the generations to come are not going to do that. They're, they're hungry for the future. And it's my responsibility as a, a budding artist or an aspiring artist to, to, to indulge, to show how rich it is to be that human 
connected with authenticity and tradition, and whether it's in Papua New Guinea, Mongolia, or here in the Netherlands, because we're running at breakneck speed. And in 25 years' time, we don't necessarily, I believe, we won't actually have to make any effort whatsoever in our human. We can do it all on uh, in a metaverse. And that Scary. I find, uh, you know more about it than I, but I, I, I know it's going to happen. And I find it daunting. And that will go totally pear-shaped if we forget what it is to feel. And what I do and make and show is about feeling. I, 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 I don't, I think there are deeper human needs and values that will not bring us into a fully metaverse no. space, no. No. When I see there are kids, don't they're much, more, di so much more digital than we are. Lazy. Yeah, but they're much more digital than we are. They're brought up with it and they make choices. They, they yeah. actually... You think we're strong enough yeah, to do that? Yeah, they decide sometimes to put their phones away because they think it's more important. They, uh, uh, they, you know, they, they, they play Fortnite and then it's over. They don't do it anymore, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and then they go out and, and do sports. I've seen it with my own kids. You know, first you said, oh, you have to go and do sports and why are you playing these games, spending so mm -hmm. much time? Mm -hmm on telling our kids, you know, what they shouldn't be doing. And then at a certain point, you just give up and then they decide for themselves that, well, mm -hmm. they're done playing and mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the Xbox goes into mm -hmm. the corner and then uh, and they, they indulge in fitness or in uh, cooking or I don't know what, they find something else. And, and um, so I'm, I'm, I'm in that sense, I'm not so pessimistic. I think uh, um, as you've seen now with, you know, your beautiful pictures, people, crave for other things as well and they will mm -mm. they will go looking for it and uh so we don't know how it's going to work out definitely you know uh convenience um, um is, is great i mean you've mm -hmm. you've experienced mm -hmm. in your lifetime many inventions that we didn't you know hold true mm -hmm. before i mean mm -hmm. i the first time I, I got a job there was the first time i was actually on email and mm -hmm. um and we thought you know is that really necessary yes probably it is and and now we couldn't even imagine what it is not to be connected and uh, the world you know, would go down the drain if it happened to us it's mm -hmm. just not not true and i think mm -hmm. uh, so i think we will adjust i don't i'm so i'm not i'm not so pessimistic also because there are people like you and there will be mm -hmm. always be people like you that want to mm -hmm. show a different world mm -hmm. and that uh, that are fed up with this and uh, well, well it's, it's not it's to not to lovingly contradict you i'm not fed up with it but i want us to be aware of it and yeah, but that's, so, because so, you so, are, that's because you are concerned. Maybe you're not fed up with it yet. They might be so, yeah, yeah. and that now, and they'll they'll yeah. get fed up with it and have another reason why yeah. they want to connect with something that's real. I, I wonder so. though if that's if those who will refuse to be part of this are going to be the ones that uh, Jimmy will photograph in 25 years. No, I mean, might photograph the people that are completely indulged in. I mean, the, the reality is that if you take the analogy of where we are today as compared to those traditional mm -hmm. uh, fishermen. Uh, you know, we've moved on to another way of life, if you want. And you have to wonder if, you know, the younger generation will move into the metaverse and we will be those traditional people that actually walk. Yeah, I'm, this is what I'm wondering. Uh, I believe also we live in a very, we're talking about, the Netherlands at the moment, a very, very privileged country. And I live in a privileged neighborhood in a privileged country. Uh, like you both, I spend a lot of time in un other less privileged parts of the world. When a digital option is offered, that's far less work than surviving as a human being. I think uh, more than less human beings will lean towards it. They won't be as inspired to go and play football or go cooking. Um, that does worry me a little bit. Um, but then at the same time, it's thrilling. 
look at the technology we're using here today, how we connected to create this and how we're sharing this, but it's how you share it and about, about keeping it in balance. So telling stories. I think that the, the trick really is that, is how do we show the beauty of being human? Mm -hmm. Because in, in reality, I think the pressure on the other side, if you ask me, is really not a decision. It's, it's almost like, fit in. If you, if you don't mm -hmm. fit in, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if your friends are on Facebook and, you know, uh, 10 mm -hmm. years ago and you're not on Facebook, you didn't fit in. Will there be a time where if you're not in the metaverse, you don't have friends? Maybe, but the ones who were on Facebook are the boomers of today and, uh, yeah, and the yeah. next generation doesn't use uh, Facebook anymore. What, they what's use, Facebook? Yeah. And they use Snapchat because it's fast and, and, and there's no memory. So, um, <laughs> no. Fast in their memory. <laughs> but no, because it's, it has to do with privacy as well. Yeah, and, right. uh, and we thought that they didn't care about privacy. They seem to care sometimes more about privacy than, than many do, of the yeah. boomers do that are yeah. giving away everything they have, you know, online. Just okay. to you were, what you were touching on a minute ago is beauty. That, 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 that I think is the, the, the core element. How to feel beautiful as a human being. And I think there's a tendency at the moment, maybe I'm sounding like a sort of a, a middle-aged uh, uh, whatever, to, to <laughs> not feel it, to, to believe that applying metaphorically a filter, that's, that's I'm losing my English, fuldunda, enough. You have to dig and invest deeply to feel that validity as a human being. And then when you feel that value, you can mirror somebody else's value. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, I, I, and if I, we don't invest in that, yeah. and that's what these pictures are, they're beautiful pictures of very ordinary, but extraordinarily beautiful people in alignment with, with a tradition. But we can all look this way if you feel it. That's mm. what it's about. Yeah, but like even my, my, my daughter, she's kind of on, she's, she has an, quite a number of followers on Instagram. And, and, and the reason why she's so popular is because she exactly tells exactly that story. So you have to want to, you have to be able to be yourself. You have to show your vulnerability. Not everybody is a picture perfect mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. version of themselves, and and this is driving people crazy. So you have to be proud of, you know, if you are your 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 body, um, you, you know, you call it a uh, body positive, uh, and. Um, proud of who you are and tell that story and, and actually live that identity. And, uh, and people seem to respond very well to that. So yeah, I, I think, I think well, we don't know where this planet is going, but I think uh, as long as we got people that keep connecting and telling the stories and finding, finding a narrative and finding imagery like you have uh, to show how valuable this mm -hmm. is, people will, will reconnect with it again. And, um, and and that's yeah. Thank you. And that's all it actually is. It's not very scientific. It's just it's to, to connect purely to connect. And by default, through circumstance, through global circumstances, the connections I was making and sharing on the other side of the planet, I'm now making here within a fifty slash hundred kilometer radius. Mm. And I hazard a guess that if you go to other countries in within our neighbourhood, which is the next journey, you'll find it as rich. Yeah, well, I think I think. Um, an important word is um, um, is nostalgia, and mm -hmm. it's not. I don't find mm -hmm. this is not nostalgic. No. It's this is really uh, this is living an identity, but it's something that can be ex explored and researched. And uh, it's not. So you were mentioning before traditionalism and nostalgia is mm -hmm. part of that traditionalism, which can actually hold you back. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think also in the way you have you have 
you know, you've gone about this. Uh, it, it's, it's very much kind of a driven from curiosity and you feel that. And I think that's important. It's not, it's not living the past. It's not dressing up to be something we used to be. You know, this is something, you know, this is dressing up to be who you want to be. And who you a, are, yeah. yeah and and who you so are and, and, and maybe who you aspire to be to, in relationship mm -hmm. to, your, to your, your parents or your, mm -hmm. maybe even your, your, your siblings and your kids later. And there's something you might want to pass on or not, or you want to give your kids the choice to do so or not. I mean, it is so beautiful what you just said. It's the idea of I'm, I'm dressed this way because I want to belong to me, to, to what I actually deep inside am. So, so that tradition, of course, in a way, in a way has that feeling of camaraderie or, or, you know, so, so social uh, uh, circle that I belong to, but it's also that moment where you define that yourself that way, as opposed to every other person's definition, you know, you, you sort of say, this is me, this is how I want to be seen. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the compliment, by the way, by interpreting that, it gets me very excited um, because I'm not nostalgic. I'm so not nostalgic. I'm so desperate and enthused and excited about what's going to happen tomorrow. You know me, but it's how we apply and what we learn and how we live tomorrow. That's what matters to me. And because I'm not as sort of technologically interested, I'm humanly interested. I want to bring forward these stories and these traditions with me in a contemporary way. And by default, a good 50% of the project are people under the age of 25 retelling their stories, what they discovered from their grandparents and how they want to define that and take it into the future. I think that's really, really exciting. So thank you for seeing that. So I must have... Who, 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 how do you get to the one on the cover? Tess. Tess was a wonderful lady. She was... We were photographing... In Marka, the lady who introduced me to this ice wedding uh, said, there's a young lady you have to meet who's uh, right up your alley. This was Tess. Tess subsequently came and worked here for six months as an apprentice. Uh, she also had ants in her pants, so she went off traveling into the world. But she said, carry on this communicating what you're doing with this story with me. Further down the line, we said, we're looking for uh, an individual to put on the cover. We believe it could be you. Not only does she look extraordinary, she holds herself and she has a knowledge and a deep-rooted interest in the history of Marka and her traditions. And she's redefining and reapplying it and wearing it on a regular basis with herself and with her contemporaries. So she is a sort of a sort of an a totem for the whole whole project and a fantastic representation. And it's an extraordinary privilege to have met her in such a beautifully organic way. And But she's one of many, many, many individuals in the project. And any, any other memorable uh, stories, any person that stood out? There, there, there are many. I think you're, you, you want me to go down the alleyway. We're going to go to the other extreme, to a lady in her very late 80s in a village called Tolle in southern Netherlands and Zeeland. And uh, Adri Moorland. And I was photographing the ladies in her group. And it turned out that she was suffering from severe Alzheimer's, but it, it, it didn't inhibit her in, in, in any way. It actually brought us to an extraordinary place because she was so free and so liberated and so forgetful and so <laughs> fearless. She decided to take off her shoes and in full dress, walk head on into the sea and started bouncing around like a child making these most amazing pictures and as a result of that, all these other ladies who went running after trying to save her 
realized that she wasn't actually trying to sort of, you know, walk across the channel. She was just having fun like a child. So they all stood there bouncing around in the surf with me traipsing after them, making what I believe are some of the most beautiful pictures of the project. And I thought, wasn't that a wonderful way of sort of the cycle of life? We start with curiosity and trust and love for the world, and then we slowly enter sort of puberty and life becomes layered. In some cases, we destroy it. And here we are in old age, returning to childhood, <laughs> but looking the age and the dignity of the years that have passed. And with all the freedom and the curiosity and the fearlessness. And as a result of that, she dragged me and a multitude of other women with her into the surf, which resulted in beautiful pictures. But again, they're just metaphors. Mm. And um, many, many stories like that. It's such a privilege, honestly. I mean, if we, if we can slow down enough, mm -mm to just find that ability to connect to humans, mm -hmm. you know, especially humans that are a little slower uh, in, the, in their pace of life than, yeah. than, than our constant strive to yeah. do more and achieve yeah. more. Someone that is able to, I mean, this probably is the biggest beauty I find in tradition is, mm -hmm. is to be able to sit back and say, you know what? I'm going to stop here for a while and just bring back a beautiful memory. But bringing, talking about stopping, go, talk, going, returning back to this camera, this and forces me to slow down, <laughs> forces me to stop, forces me to look, forces me to align, forces me to focus, forces me to feel, because I can't see the pitch that I'm making. And in that, you connect with another human being. And my kids often mock me for the Dutch that I speak, which having lived here for 30 years is quite appalling. But <laughs> whether it's in Papua New Guinea or Mongolia or here in Tola, which is a, quite a strong dialect, you find a form of connection by slowing down. You, you reconnect with a rhythm. Uh, you listen. You, you, they see that I'm looking at them. They see that I'm there to, to, yeah, to, in many ways, adore them. And hence the beauty of the pictures. But the beauty is not mine. It's the fact that I slowed down and took the time. Yeah, to I see think them. you took yeah. the time to be interested. Uh, most of yeah. the time we see them mm. as, you know, as a joke. Um, well, not as, not as a joke, but mm. I mean, it's, it's part of a touristic thing. People yeah. dress up in these dresses and they, you know, as many tourists do, and they take a picture and uh, without really taking the effort of diving a bit deeper into what's, what's underneath. I mean, I, mm -hmm. actually, uh, recently, um, we have the, the well, it was the 1st of July celebrations of uh, the end of slavery in, uh, in Suriname and of the, mm -hmm. in the Kingdom of the Netherlands. And, uh, and there's a remarkable tradition, the party or the festival is called Keti Koti, which means the unshackling. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and most people didn't care. I mean, this was going on and, and, and they were, um, you know, uh, the people from Suriname were incredible, also elaborate dresses and they, uh, and with a lot of tradition, a lot of dif different layers underneath. And, and it's just basically also un unlayering or unveiling the, the, different, the different layers of stories around, around that heritage and how, and discovering that this is not a, a story of the Surinamese alone. It's a story of us, you know, mm. we are just as we, and I'm talking now we as a, as a, as a white Dutch person, though I'm kind of, my family's probably more German than Dutch, but still, you know, we also are part of that history. And, um, and as a society, we were not challenged to actually explore that duality. And, uh, and now, you know, I don't know, I, well, I know there's some reasons why maybe now this is much more prevalent and we are actually dealing with these things. And like I mentioned before, we're also dealing with our colonial past, um, is that we understand that some of these 
kind of these these kind of very visible uh, things like like the dress or like the ceremonies, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like these things, um, have a have a have a counterbalance in our contemporary history, and we have to explore that too. And um, and once you see that, it becomes so much more interesting. It's not just looking at a phenomena. You know, you can look at these people saying, well, you have all these villages and that's, you know, very beautiful dresses and beautiful pictures. And in fact, it also says something about, about us, you know, what have we, what have we lost? Or how have we moved on? What have we done to those people that we basically uh, just, we said we needed extra land, you know, and we took away their, their, their culture, their livelihood. Um, and for no, no longer could they be fishermen on the, on the, on the, on the seas. You know, they were now dealing with a lake and a lake has very different fish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's, again, that's these little stories, uh, where there's always the, the other side. And I think if you can also mm-hmm. challenge us with a book like this, mm-hmm. um, to, to explore with ourselves, mm-hmm. what that other side of the story is, I think that's very valuable. If you talk, thank you. But if you also talk about colonial pasts and the, the richest dressed communities are along the coast through trade, mm. where does all the material come from? Mm. All comes from the, the East. And a, a large percentage, and that's part of the investigation, but where did this design come from? I mean, you're in Hindelope, the city of Hindelope. I think there's only 800 people living there, but they refer to themselves as a city. I keep sort of getting slapped when I make that mistake. And uh, the, by far the majority of what they wear is through trade with the East. So we've built that in over the years. So this is, so I don't think, I think we all have a history. Uh positive and negative, whoever you are as an individual, a nation, a race, keep retelling the story, much the same as that app by Vice for the National Museum in London. Okay, it is what it is, but let's deal with it. Let's talk yeah. about it. Let's yeah. make it transparent. Let's bring it into the future. Okay, where does this come from? It comes from the East. Why does it come from the East? So it's not about stalling or being ashamed or as a middle-aged white man putting my head in the sand saying, I don't know, I don't understand, I am not worthy. No, I've been doing this for 54 years. I have a subjective perspective, overly romantic, which I'm not, I'm, I am or I'm not going to apologize for. And this is what I see and what I mm. feel. And it's... Uh, it's about love of human beings. It is very personal and it's open for conversation. But I think that's the conversation we all need to be having. Be continually interested. Uh, I, I, I have to say there is such a joy in what you're saying, both of you, honestly. There is, there is that joy of, uh, you, you, uh, Constantine, you said, slow down and be interested. I think that's actually a very, mm-hmm. very valuable tip to anyone really, you know, anyone that, is, that wants to connect to his loved one, slow down and mm-hmm. be interested. Anyone, you know, um, my the love of my life, Aya, uh, my daughter, you know, slow down and be interested. Stop running around and just, you know, the, the time when we got the closest was when I started to tell myself, no more billion dollar deals, no more running around like crazy. And my story was actually quite interesting. I, I used to go to Aya and pretend that I have a business meeting in Montreal and just stay in a hotel and wait and say, baby, do you want to go out for dinner? Do we want to go out for shopping? And, and just slow down and stay and wait until she, you know, said, yeah, let's go to Deville, I think was the place we used to go to. And then the next time she would go like, yeah, let's go to Deville twice. And, you know, and, and it's just slow down and be interested. I think that's all how all human connections are made. It's so beautiful when you think about it. We all want a wealth of experience. And I think in more contemporary society, we're encouraged that that can only be achieved by buying it. 
again, going back to the phrase reciprocity, you go to Volendam here, very close to Amsterdam. It's very famous. It's probably the most iconic headdress, if you want to refer it, where you can go and have your picture made. And you indulge in the Volendamers, who are quite precious people. And you get on your knees, which I do for hours, days, looking for that one kiss, which I never got. They start seeing the process. And then in a reciprocal way, you get a telephone call saying, well, do you want to experience something that nobody else has ever experienced? At no cost, because of what you've invested us. And you say, well, yeah, bring it on. The next day you go to Volendam and they've organized six botters, traditional sailing boats, with more than 180 people dressed in traditional Volendam. Oh and we're going sailing for the day and you're our guest. And oh you sail God. off at dawn into the Eiselmere, our lake was a sea. And I have experienced something I, without in any way bragging. I don't know whether any of you will ever experience that. Now, you don't have to be into boats. You don't have to be into traditional dress. But if you're into sunshine, sails, music, singing, food, community, laughter, being embraced, that's what you get. So by, and that's what it's all about. And I wish, I wish, I wish from the bottom of my heart, everybody could have a day like that. Then you would know what being a human being is. And one person is more beautiful than the other. And we got off the boats on the quay in Volendam and the sun was setting and they, I don't drink alcohol. And they dragged me into this bar, determined <laughs> they were going to sort of, and we were all crying. And I cry nowadays fairly easily. I know a number of the men in there hadn't cried for years because it was such an extraordinary day. It was just so beautiful. And that's what it's all about. Okay, I show a picture and I have an exhibition and a book, but I was given something that is magical. Mm. And I want other people to find an opportunity to feel that. And it doesn't have to be boats on the ice on me. It can be anything, but first you've got to give. First you've got to give. And, and, I'm convinced and, and, of that. You, you know what is extraordinary when in, in what you say you know the, the the modern way of achieving this experience is some form of a barter you know it's like i'm gonna pay for it or i'm gonna go with gifts mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. you know i'm a good business contact to keep while the way you describe this is basically you sit there and admire them like i'm interested i want to get to know you and then eventually they take you on a trip of a lifetime just simply because you showed up. But also because I want them to be interested in me. Mm. I want them to see you're important to us. You have a, a role in our life. There's a place for you here. That idea of safety, that idea mm. of belonging, which was taken away from me as a kid. And then the whole of my adult life trying to crawl back to. And it's either here around the corner or it's on the other side. It's extremely important for me, but I genuinely believe it's very important for other people as well. And finding that organic path to feeling that connection. Everywhere in the world? And anywhere in the world. And that's by the irony, the beauty, it's within this sort of 50, 100 kilometer radius here and achievable on a bicycle at the click of a finger. <laughs> and still today, still today, I mean, sorry. 50 to 100 kilometers is yeah. only achievable on a bicycle for a Dutchman. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. No, <laughs> no. But even the project is, the book is being published and it was only two weeks ago, I was back in Marca because somebody said there's a triplet here. Uh, three young ladies who are 21 and you have to see them. You have to photograph them. So, yes. So it's the best Saturday. So on my bike early in the morning, very early having breakfast in the harbor and then spent the day with this beautiful family making a picture which won't necessarily come in this book because the journey just keeps continuing. Mm. Heaven, getting on a boat, going across to Volendam, meeting my friends in Volendam, having a Lekkerbeck on the quay and then cycling back into town at six o'clock in the evening. You can't have a nicer Saturday. And yes, I took a camera with me and I took pictures, but it wasn't about the pictures. It's just about having a nice, happy day, which is- Happy connection. Yeah.
All I can say is uh, one more time. It's always such a pleasure. I have to say I sat uh, with, in this conversation almost as if I'm attending the exhibition. I'm almost listening to your stories and descriptions and how you see humans, those humans with all of their beautiful traditions and what they're holding on to. And it's just so amazing, really. Uh, I am, however, going to go to the exhibition. So if any of the slow-mo listeners want to bump into me on the October 13th, mm-hmm. uh, that's where you should find me. And uh, yes, I do hug everyone that I see and I will welcome you all there. Uh, I will uh, um, give the final words to Constantine and Jimmy. I would like to thank you both, but especially you, Constantine. I was having a little bit of a blue Monday uh, this morning, and you've made my day uh, by... It's often when you finish a project, you go into a bit of a dip, and you think all this time and all this energy, will anybody like it? Is it just my mad obsession? And for you to come in here as the sort of dare I say it, a sort of definitive Dutch man. And to... to <laughs> oh, that's my, that's, that's, that's yeah, the but, ultimate and, compliment and, and, and I to, needed No, but I, I'm exaggerating <laughs> for the sake of it. And, and to, to say this isn't uh, leaning on the past, this is taking something very valuable and taking it into the future. Uh, you've made my day, my week. And um, thank you very much. Thank you both. Uh, thanks, thanks, Mo, for the opportunity uh, to talk about something I don't regularly talk about. <laughs> Jimmy, for showing us these incredible images and sharing your um, your your viewpoints and your wisdom around what you know how you approach your project and your and the people you photograph and by calling me the what he called me the yeah, ultimate yeah, yeah. Uh, something of a Dutchman, definitive, so, definitive, definitive Dutchman. Yeah, Dutchman. but I mean, I mean so, yeah. Yeah, well, thank D- you very D- much. D- not, D- not me, D- I know D- that. D- DDM D- D- from yeah. now on. D- yes, D- DDM, we shall oh, refer to. Uh, thank you ever so I'll much. I'll it here. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I love this conversation. I hope uh, our listeners have enjoyed it as much as I did. There is poetry almost in every word that has been said describing the beauty of those humans. There is beauty in every human you'll come across. And I think that idea, uh, you know me, I'm trying really hard to slow down more and more in my life to get that opportunity to reflect and really connect to myself, but also connect to life. I have to admit the moments that are truly the most joyful are the moments where you slow down enough to be interested, whether to be interested in the traditional dress, to be walking around the museum slowly instead of rushing around because you just want to take pictures of the pictures, to be interested in humans, to sit down and listen. And so they take you on journeys that you've never really expected. And I love that idea of that mix between tradition and mix between uh, progress, between modernity and between the old. And finding that balance that allows us to live a life that is true and authentic and convinced and happy of where we are, looking into the future without giving up on where we have been. And uh, as always, you guys give me the opportunity to spend time with the most incredible people on the planet. So keep listening, keep watching, uh, keep uh, doing all of those wonderful things people do on social media, share the podcast uh, with others, rate it five stars, uh, (laughs) do whatever it is that you guys do. Uh, But meanwhile, if you're in Amsterdam on October 13th, uh, come and hug me. I will see you there. And I will promise you it's going to be an experience that you're not going to miss. If you're not, take a look at Jimmy's book, September 17th. And uh, either way, 
come back and join us because I, I hope that uh, both Constantine and Jimmy will be on slow-mo very often. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.